When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, if rock's your game, you're in the right place. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, we're going to rank the Kiss albums 74 to 82, man. The makeup albums, the classic era. I'm joined by my buddy, Johnny Hawk, and we talk about it all, man. We have a blast. We don't always agree, though, and we talk about Johnny's project, KLA Fractured Mirror. It's a Kiss tribute album that was done for charity. I'm actually on there. We'll put a link in the description on how you can get a copy. Well, check this thing out. All right. Well, Johnny, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, brother? I am doing great, man. So glad to be talking with you tonight. Uh, it's going to be a great one. We're going to be talking about the, the makeup albums of Kiss, a top 10, man. And to me, this is like, this is my favorite era of the band. Even though it's 80s Glam Metal Cast, I, I gravitate for the, uh, the, the 70s and early 80s albums. Well, how about you? Well, see, I I went and seen them in 1975, and went 90 times. I seen them in concert all the way through to the 2000s. So, wow. uh, my whole life I've been listening to all of it, but I think I gravitate towards the uh, original stuff myself. For sure, for sure, man. It, it's it's the best. It is the best. Uh, before we jump into this, though, um, let's talk a little bit about this uh, tribute album you put together. It's uh, KLA, Fractured Mirror. Uh, I got involved a little bit myself. I, I helped you with a few tracks. Tell everybody about how this all came to be, why you did this. Just throw it out there. Sure, absolutely. So, um, as you all know, uh, I put a lot of Kiss videos out on YouTube of me just jamming some Kiss songs. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of videos, and then this guy who plays the drums got in touch with me and said, hey, do you want to do a collaboration? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So we started jamming together and uh, did a few videos together. And then he said uh, to me, I know a bass player that can join us too. And uh, so the collaboration world started opening up for me. And I belong to this um, group on Facebook called the KLA, which stands for Kiss Live Auctions. And it's a group of guys that sells um, their Kiss memorabilia to other Kiss members who don't have certain products or whatever. And I figured, hey, there's 6,000 members in this group. There's got to be some musicians out there. <laughs> so I put the word out saying, hey, would anybody be interested in doing a collaboration album with me, much like the videos that I've been doing on YouTube. Um, and I got an, an enormous reaction from all these guys saying, hey, I am a musician, I would love to do it. But I didn't want to do it for just the sake of putting a CD out. So I decided to come up with the idea of making 100% of the proceeds go into a charity, which is uh, breast cancer uh, research. That's awesome. Does that hit home? Has uh, your family been affected by breast cancer? Uh, a dear friend of mine was, yeah, and yeah. she's no longer with us, so. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely an evil disease, great cause. Um, and what's cool about it, you know, whether you're doing these uh, online covers or you're doing a project like this, you get the, the opportunity to play with people from all over the world. And, and it's kind of mind-boggling because if you think back to the, you know, 20 years ago or, or even more, you know, you never would have been able to do this. You can only play with folks that are <laughs> down the street from you or whatever, you know. And now it's like the sky's the limit. You can jam with anybody. And for something like this, it makes it a little bit easier because we can all all perform you know to the kiss tracks and, and put our stuff together uh i i had a lot of fun with it i know i did bass on a few songs sang some uh vocals on a few and, and it was a lot of fun yeah that, i was you know i was so happy that you were part of that project for sure and one of the best things that i think with uh collaborations is uh you were talking about 20 years ago you can only jam with your buddies is you could only jam with how good their talent is where if you're collaborating, I mean, the sky's the limit. You've got the whole world out there that you could play with. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of incredible talent out there. So I'm glad that I met you. I'm glad I met a whole bunch of these guys that are on this record. So Same here, man. And, you know, obviously you put a lot of work into it. One thing that stands out, it's really true to the subject matter. So it's fans, you know, being true to the, what KISS originally did, but, but having fun with it. It's just, it's just a fun listen. Absolutely, for sure. Johnny, how can somebody get a hold of this? If they wanted a copy, what's the best way for them to do it? Well, I got a, a, a Facebook page. So what we could do is we're going to put a link at the bottom in the description of this video. Yeah. That'll take you right to that page. How's that sound? Perfect. I think that's very easy. <laughs> very doable. Yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. Well, I'm curious of how this is all going to play out. You know, we probably have differing opinions. Sometimes I I go against the grain of what's normal for Kiss fans. So I'm I'm, I'm curious to how this is going to play out. Let's just jump in, man. What is your number ten? My number ten from from uh, the first album, The Creatures. I'm going to have to say probably hotter than hell. Okay, hotter than hell. What, what puts that one down yeah. toward the bottom for you? I think because of how many times I've listened to it. <laughs> I may, may have overplayed it for myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some that definitely don't belong on the list at all. And hotter than hell, I think, probably just because there's, there's not a lot of hits on it. I like all the, uh, I, I like all the hidden tracks anyways, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think that's got to be number 10 for me. Okay. All right. Well, I don't have that one at number 10. I've got that one on. Of course, they're all they're all on the list, right? There is only 10 studio albums from uh from the first one to Creatures, but I went with The Elder. And I know this probably seems like an easy pick to put The Elder uh here, but I don't know, man. It's just I think with The Elder, you know, on paper, it sounds good. You know, like if somebody told you Kiss is going to do a concept album about this, this, and this, and you'd say, oh, that sounds great. But I think overall the concept is weak. I feel that it, there's it's not fleshed out with the music, and there's and they got rid of a lot of that in-between stuff. I mean, there's rumor that they recorded a lot of in-betweens to, to tell the story. They got rid of all that. They jumbled the order a couple different times, you know, upon its release. But, um... I don't know, man. There's just some bad songs on there, like "Just a Boy." I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like like the weird choir in "Under the Rose." There's just some stuff I just kind of like. I just don't like it, and it's not very Kiss, you know. But there are a few songs that are pretty Kiss, you know. Like I love the Oath. I love I. 
I love Mr. Blackwell. So there's some cool stuff. I dig I dig the image. I, I kind of appreciate what they were trying to do, but it just fell flat. Fair enough, yep. All right, man. How about number nine? Kiss. It's the album you've waited two years to hear. Kiss Dynasty. It's the hot new, all-new album from Casablanca. Uh, number nine would be Dynasty for me. Oh, okay, Dynasty. You got low. What uh, what what puts that one down there? Um, I think because of the change of direction. Uh huh. And they they went from a rock and roll band all of a sudden they're now a uh, a disco band. And I know uh, from when I was a kid, I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And but my brother who took me to the kids' concerts tur- turned on them and just hated them like everybody else did in that in that era. <laughs> Mind you, um, I was I was eight years old when it came out, so it didn't matter to me. It was still Kiss, and I got to see them on TV and whatnot. However, you've got some weak songs on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure knows something is one of them. What was that Peter Chris song that was? Uh, on there? Dirty Living. Dirty Living, right? So that I mean that kind of stuff. That's that was what really brings it down low on the uh, the threshold for me. 2000 Man, if I never heard that song again, that would be fine. <laughs> Mind you, on the flip side, we've got Charisma, Magic Touch, and Save Your Love, which I think are really strong Kiss songs. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So could they have gone on to an earlier album and still fit it in? I think, I, personally, I think they could have. Johnny, you're hurting me on this one because I really like Dynasty. I won't, I won't reveal where I, where I placed it, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're cutting me deep with that, that Dynasty. <laughs> so my number nine this is probably going to be sacrilegious to a lot of kiss fans but kiss a new group a new album on casablanca records and tape i want to put the debut man because and here's why don't get me wrong you kind of talk about like the hits and then kind of like the deep tracks right this thing is loaded with the hits. These are the songs that they played live from basically 1974 to today, you know? And I love them. I love Deuce and I love Strutter and I love all that stuff. But Cold Gin. But the thing is, is I don't like the renditions on this album. I think that's what kills me. This album just feels very slow. It just feels like kind of non-heavy. And that's probably being somebody who grew up on music in the 80s. And when I go back to it, you know, I'm used to just the fast versions on Alive and, you know, all the different things they've done, you know, even the way they played them on Animalize Live and stuff like that. I'm used to the faster and heavier versions of these songs. So this album just seems too slow for me. But, I mean, I I can't deny the songs. They're they're incredible songs and it's iconic and it's the debut. But just I don't care for the, the speed of the songs and the way they're performed on this one. Actually, if you listen to the um, the version of Cold Gin on Double Platinum, they actually sped. Oh, sorry, not Cold Gin, Firehouse. They actually sped it up because it was so slow on the debut. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's it's shocking. You know, you even think back to Johnny, like something like um, uh, Sydney, Australia, nineteen eighty. I mean, they're just yeah, Eric Carr. He's just flying. You know what I mean? And I love those. I love those versions of those. And then you go back and you listen to this, and it's cool. You know, it's it's retro and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know, just like, let's look at a little bit more up-tempo. And it's funny that you say that uh, that Kiss is number seven, or nine for you, because it's actually number eight for me. Oh, okay, so look, hey, let's hear it, man. So we're, we're fairly close with that one. So there's some strong songs on there. I think um, Black Diamond, 100,000 Years, and Deuce are probably the best songs on that record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you've got Kissin' Time, yeah. you've got Love Theme from Kiss, 
you've got Let Me Know. Mm. Um, to me, those aren't very strong songs. No. They're, they're great for 1973 when they were written, released in 1974, but does it really stand the test of time like some of these other Kiss records do? My personal feelings is no, they don't. Yeah. And how they remain in um, a set list 50 years later and people just love it. I mean, there's so many other songs that they could be playing. No, they definitely gravitate toward those original songs that were big off that, and, and obviously had new life uh, on a live. So yeah, man, they yeah, they're they're uh, they're timeless for sure. All right, so this one is gonna irritate people, and I'm just gonna throw it out there, man. But I'm gonna put. Destroyer at number eight, <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> let me explain. All right, let me explain. Okay, all right. I think over time, I don't know. I feel like this album is, is slightly overrated. I think it starts killer, like some, like three of their best tracks ever: Detroit Rock City, in the King of the Nighttime World, and then you got that creepy ass version, the original version of God of Thunder. I love it. I think it's amazing. I love what they're doing. They're they're adding new elements to their sound, and you know all the stuff that Bob Ezrin did. But dude. It's just a few throwaways on there, like just like sweet pain. My love will drive you insane. You know what I mean? Like I just I don't know. It's not a great song, and and I don't care for great expectations either. You know what I mean? Uh, and then there's certain songs right. like you, like you said, if you never heard some of those um, first album, or no, I saw, no, no, you said 2000 Man. If you never heard 2000 Man again, that's the way I feel about like Shout It Out Loud and Do You Love Me. Like they're cool songs. They were cool like years ago when I heard them for the first time, but now it's like it's just played out. So I, I think I think it's a double. At sword, you know, some of it's just played out, and some of it, like when you're holding it into this iconic view, and you got stuff like, to me, sweet pain and great expectations. I just, and, and then something as killer as God of Thunder. I know Gene didn't write God of Thunder, but it personifies like who Gene is. And I think Great Expectations is just goofy. It's like it's, and that's the same kind of shit that creeped up on a solo album. You know, it's just weird. I don't, I, don't, I just don't care for it. Wow, wow. I blew your mind. <laughs> It's definitely up uh, higher on the list for me. (laughs) All right, man. What's your seven? Uh, I'm not. Okay. I love the record. Uh, One of my biggest things with it is Peter does not play on it at all. Peter's got an amazing rock and roll voice, and to have him uh, missing from an entire record... And not only vocally, but uh, he doesn't play a, a single lick on the drums. Yeah. And That's it's not- one of my biggest issues with it. Yeah, and it's noticeable. What do you think of the production? It sounds to me like it's a demo record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of demos. It, wasn't, it, it doesn't have the sound that Dynasty had. It doesn't no. have the sound that Creatures of the Night had, where they actually put some time into producing this thing. Yeah. It sounds like it was kind of thrown together, and let's get this out there for something for the fans. Yeah. And I feel like, I know this is a, a, an originals thing, but I feel the same way about Hot in the Shade. Mm. It's a demo record. Yeah, oh, Hot in the Shade, big time, big time. You know, a lot yeah. of drum machine so, and stuff like that it, on there, yeah. It sounds, yeah, exactly. So the sound suffer, uh, suffered from it, and the songwriting is there, but it's the wrong style for Kiss as well. Yeah. So. Yep. I agree. I agree now, with you. mind you, mind you, I named my daughter after one of the Kiss songs, which was Shandy. <laughs> nice, nice. Great song, I might add. Yeah. 
<laughs> and this was uh, another positive to this, and I don't know how many people know this, but this was the second time that we saw Bob Kulik on a Kiss record. Oh. And he played on uh, Naked City. Ah, I did not know Although that. he wasn't credited for it, yeah. Mm, did not know that. I do dig that, like, I like how, like, Ace was getting showcased more. I, obviously, we all know, hey, the solo albums just had an anniversary yesterday. And we know, you know, after Ace's solo album, he got more airtime, you know, on these albums. So, you know, we see it on Dynasty and we see it on uh, Unmasked. And I, I think that's really cool. I don't know, like, Torpedo, Torpedo Girl is kind of questionable. But, but the other songs, I think, are, are that he does are, are really good on that album. So it is cool to see Ace more involved, you know. All right, man, so... My seven. I've got hotter than hell. I put it up a little bit higher than you did. And, you know, obviously everybody bitches about the production. You know, this album sounds like shit. And it really does compared to the, the, the first. The debut sounds great. Like I said, aside from the slow renditions of the songs, I think the sound quality is great. And it's the same production team. I don't know why it sounds like crap uh, for the second one, but it doesn't sound very good. But I got to admit, man, over time, like, I don't know. I'm just used to it. Like, it doesn't really bother me that much. And I love the songs, especially Side 2. I think that's where the magic of this album uh, starts. And I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit, too. But you got All the Way, Strange Ways, Coming Home, Mainline. Those are just all songs that you don't hear a lot of in their set. You know, they don't pop up a lot, but they're great tunes. And um, I got to throw out there that I never like Let Me Go Rock and Roll. I don't know. I just never cared for that song. But, I mean, obviously got Parasite. Lots of cool shit on Hotter Than Hell. It's a heavier record. It's a faster record. You know, Kiss is evolving, you know, album by album. And I think these are great kind of overlooked songs. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. Strange Ways is a phenomenal song. So good. And Mainline, I, I don't know why they didn't do any of these songs live. Oh, Mainline is super cool. And it's funny how, uh, I don't know, just like I said, you know, you, you kind of talked about this earlier with Peter. You know, when Peter's more involved and he, and whether, he, I know he doesn't write a lot of the songs, but he sings them. But um, it's just another dimension. You know, it kind of created that thing like they were always shooting for, like the Beatles. You know, everybody's got their own songs and everything or, or gets a chance to sing. And and uh, he always added a really cool dimension uh, to the albums that he's on. I agree with you 100% on that one. That's awesome. What do you got for six? So for number six. I'm going to go with Dress to Kill. Okay. Awesome. Now, I, don't, I don't really have anything bad to say about this per se, but I just think my ones that are above it, I just like a little more. Mm-hmm. They haven't, by the time this album came out, they haven't made it yet, so they, are still, they still have something to prove, which is one of the things that I like about this album. The songwriting and the way that they're playing together, uh, especially like songs like Love Her All I Can, songs like that, where they're just really tight, and I think I think they got really good chemistry here. Uh, there's a couple couple songs that I would have probably left off. <laughs> yeah. um, anything for my baby. Yeah. There's a reason why that's not on any of the uh, the greatest hits albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, Getaway should have been played live. Ooh, Getaway is awesome. Love it. Uh, that that was written by by Ace, sang by Peter. Yep. And. Uh, I think it wouldn't have been the song that it is if 
Case had the had the guts to sing at that point. If he would have sang that song, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like like uh, as powerful as it is with Peter on vocals for sure. No, no. And I like the production of this album. It's 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 kind of more of a clean one and, and more crisp. It's definitely a step up from um, uh, Hotter Than Hell. I don't think, like you said, they still got something to prove. I don't even know if they're one hundred percent there as a band in the studio yet. I think that's coming, but um. But yeah, it's it's I love it. I love it. Definitely. All right, number six. This one also may surprise people, but I, I don't care. I, like I said, I go against the grain. I I, do, I say what say what I want, do what I feel. So- oh, I got love gone at six, and the the reason I got love gone at six. I just feel that I just feel like it kind of fizzles out after a while. Like you know, it starts off amazing. You know, I stole your love, got love for sale, shock me. I mean, these are some of their best songs. You know, obviously key moments on a couple of them uh, on a life too and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, Hooligan is cool. But I think Love Gun once again, that's a song. Let's let's face it, that song has been beaten to death. We've they've been playing that song since 1977. It's probably been played almost on every. I think it probably has been played on every tour. I don't ever want to hear that song again. And I think Gene has got. Oh wait, 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 hold on. While we're on Paul, then she kissed me. I hate it. <laughs> I freaking hate it, man. I think it's the stupidest cover yeah, ever. You, that's garbage. Hate it. Uh, Gene songs too are kind of weird. You know, Christine sixteen. Obviously, as we're getting older, it's kind of a weird uh, dynamic going on there. And it's a very repetitive song that really doesn't go anywhere. Almost human is kind of like that too. Like for me, like I feel like you hear it and it's like, oh wow, there's this real evil Gene song. Like it's going to be like um, God of Thunder Part Two, but it ends up just being kind of like a funk tune or something. I don't know. It's just it just doesn't work. So I feel like Gene. I don't know, man. When Gene's on, it's awesome. But then when he's off, it's just it sucks. So I, I feel like, and, and here's the problem, Johnny, that I think, and this is where I think about Destroyer and I think about Love Gun. I think when people look at him from afar and, and they don't dissect it song by song, they think of the iconic Ken Kelly album covers. They think of the awesome costumes that they brought out for for each of these albums. They think about the live show, especially uh, this one is no doubt the most iconic live show is the '77 show in the gatefold sleeve. I mean, so I think like when you look at an era, you know what I mean. This kind of happens with Dynasty too. You either love the way they looked or, or you hate it. You know what I mean, and that affects how you perceive that album. And I think like I think the perception. Of Love Gun is larger than life, uh, no pun intended, right, for life too. But but I, I don't but I don't know if you start picking apart like some of those songs that I talked about. I don't know, you know what I mean? They they just don't resonate with me. I don't think they're some of Kiss's best. But like I said, I mean it's iconic. It's got some strong stuff. But I don't know, man. That, that's where I got it. What do you got? I'm for gonna me? have to disagree with you. I'm gonna have to <laughs> disagree with you on a couple of those things, and we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, gonna, you're gonna get to it. What do you got for five? Number five, I have Destroyer. Nice. So you put that one up real high. All right, man, let's hear it. What What do I have wrong about Destroyer? Let's hear it. Now, I agree with you about uh, Great Expectations mm-hmm. and Best and Do You Love Me. I think those songs are crap, and if I never <laughs> hear them again, I'm fine. Right. But Flame and Youth should have, should have been an anthem. Right. 
That's a cool one. Yeah, that's cool. And Shout Out Out Loud, I think, is an anthem, and I think, personally, I think it deserves to be an anthem. King of the Nighttime World, up until last year when I heard the original, I wasn't too excited to hear about it, to, to hear that song. Yeah. But once I heard the original version of it, and then I heard how Kiss redid it, and they were really faithful to the original, even though it was unheard of, mm-hmm. really gave me a, a, a big... Um, appreciation for that song detroit rock city i mean i jam that with a whole bunch of guys god of thunder i think i like the way that they play god of thunder more in the animalized era because they sped it up a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's a slow and drawn out song especially live because gene takes you know 20 minutes to spit blood or whatever <laughs> but uh honestly i think from my youth this was like one of the first eight tracks I had a, as a child, and it's just the, the the memories that I cherish the most, and that's why I gave it a five. You're not wrong, man. Flaming Youth is a cool song. And the cool thing that they busted out with Shout It Out Loud is the trade-off vocals. You know what I mean? I know they, I believe they do that on the first album. Uh, what song? I don't know. They, they, did, they definitely traded off a few songs on the first Kiss album, but it is cool to hear the trade-off vocals. It's a cool thing that pops up every once in a while on a Kiss album. So, so there are a lot of cool elements to, um, to the album. And I think, like I said, I really think they kind of nailed down the production thing when you brought in Bob Ezrin. And you know, put in some weird sound effects, pianos, orchestration. You know, they that was not even in their wheelhouse uh, prior to him coming on board. So, so definitely uh, a mammoth effort, no doubt, no doubt. I, I, absolutely, and I think Bob Ezrin made the album too. Because if you listen to Resurrection mm-hmm. with all the Bob Ezrin stuff taken out, it's a snooze fest. You fall asleep listening to it. So, yeah. I think that, and it could be, could very well be because I've been listening to the real versions of it for 50 years, that these other versions, these new versions that we hear, it's just hard to listen to because you know stuff is missing from it. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's possible. Yeah, for sure. All right. So here's, this will be, this will be surprising. This will be surprising. So for five, I got. That pesky photographer keeps trying to catch Kiss off guard. Ace and Peter are intercepted. Hey, Kiss, look this way. Nuts! Then he tracks down Paul at a restaurant. Oh, shucks! Hey, Gene, over here! Darn! But Kiss has the last laugh. Kiss unmasked, man. I, I do love unmasked. Let me just put it out there that I hate the production. I don't like the production on this one. You kind of alluded to it. You thought it sounded uh, demo-ish. I think it sounds really thin. Um, almost reminds me of the way Crazy Nights sounds. Like I feel the same way about Crazy Nights. Like It's really poppy. It's really thin. I wish somebody would remix this in a more rocked-out version. Obviously, don't re-record the vocals because nobody in Kiss can, can touch those vocals today. You know, Don't touch those vocals. But I think <laughs> I think there's a way to beef these bad boys up to start a little bit more rocked out because, like you said, the songs are there. You know, maybe they weren't the right songs for Kiss, but I think maybe with the right spin on them, they, they might have been the right songs. You know, I think "Is That You" is cool. I know that's a cover, or, or not a cover, but it's, it's, it was written by somebody else. Uh, "Shandy" I think is a great uh, slow tune. "Naked Cities" is so weird and cool, and it's got a lot of that eerie riff. You know, it's just it's I just love it, man. It's just got that Gene Simmons evilness little just a little touch of evil uh talk to me is great by ace tomorrow such a great tune once again that will sound like it could have been on paul stanley's solo album if it was maybe just produced a little bit harder um i think it would have been great uh, so i think this is these are great songs and, and once again not many people are going to agree with me but i think that's 
as a whole, this is a better written album than Love Gun. I, that's just, like I said, I feel like Love Gun's got some real strong moments and it's got some real weak moments. I don't see where this has a lot of weak songwriting moments, a lot of catchy tunes, very melodic songs. I just think they're just not performed in the, the Kiss manner, you know, that would make them, you know, more uh, maybe accessible to like the average Kiss fan. So I, I love Unmasked. What, what can I say? <laughs> That's right. And I think this is, I mean, this is definitely the era that us as kids started watching them live. And this is the beginning, first time we hear um, of Eric Carr, even yeah. though he didn't play on the album, but right. he played... Uh, all, all the live shows for this. And I remember watching um, Kids Are People too. Yeah, yep. And Eric Carr comes out and, you know, and this was right during Unmasked. So that created a hype for kids, but for the teenager Kiss fans, I mean, this was like a letdown to them, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And one thing I got to throw out there, even though it's nothing to do with the Unmasked album, but the tour, like the way that they do Detroit Rock City, in Sydney, Australia. That's probably my favorite live rendition of it. Paul goes higher on the vocals. The drums are just way powerful and fast. I love how they do Detroit Rock City on uh, on the Unmasked Tour. It's so cool. It, I, I agree 100%. They should have recorded it that way for sure. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Man, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. What do you, what do you got for four? Hey, Smiley. Oh, so you threw in one of those. Oh, so our numbers might not match up, so no problem. So <laughs> <laughs> you like it so much you had to throw it on there. So no, go ahead, man. I, I can't, nobody can right. dispute it. So what do you got? I, I absolutely love this record. Um, there, there is, there's no throwaways on this album whatsoever. Um, Rip It Out is I mean, that's just an, an amazing opener for an album. Uh, Speeding Up to My Baby is a great follow-up to that. I think that Snowblind and Ozone gave a little bit of an anti-kiss message because mm-hmm. Gene was always anti-drug and yeah. Paul was anti-drug. Yeah. And he's talking about getting high and stuff, which I thought <laughs> was kind of funny because he was, Gene had no control over this, so he's kind of poking fun at him. Yeah. Which... Uh, which, which is, I get the humor in that, and I thought that was really awesome when I was a kid. New York Groove is the first song that we heard from a, a Rust Ballad cover, and Ace done a few Rust Ballad covers mm-hmm. after that yep. on his solo albums and stuff, which I thought was really awesome. So you could see that he was really um, influenced by Rust. And then we end off the album with Fractured Mirror, and... That was pretty much, a, a, the, that was their second instrumental other than uh, Red Love Thing from Kiss on their debut album. And I think they, I think Ace nailed it. I think this is by far the best um, thing that Ace ever put out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no dispute in it. I, I, for some reason, I kept the solo albums off. I'm curious now how my list would have looked if I was able to include the solo albums. Um I prefer Paul's a little bit over Aces, but I got no no problem with Aces. Um, I love obviously all the songs you mentioned, "Rip It Out" and uh, "New York Groove." Even "New York Groove," I don't think it ever really gets old. You know, I always get excited. You know, like when you're you're listening to like classic rock radio or something, or on a TV commercial and it pops on. It's like, yeah, go Ace. That's cool. That's right. <laughs> so, all right, for my number four.
got Dressed to Kill, man. I love it. I think this is the best of the first three albums. I think it starts off just so solid. I love Room Service. Love Two-Timer, Ladies in Waiting, Getaway. Those are all like, you know, like we talk about, those songs that just are overlooked. They don't they don't play them live. Well, they had those pretend live versions, right, on uh, <laughs> You Wanted the Best, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's them from 77. Oh, yeah, or 5 or whatever. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, there's there's no way because they're, you know, and once again, we got to talk about what's crazy. Even when you go through these albums, Look how much their voices change or how much their voices have changed over the years. I mean, Paul Stanley's voice went into a whole other dimension. You know what I mean? He he got to such high levels of singing. You know, in the 80s, he could sing so high. It was crazy. He really developed as a singer. Um, Gene has never been, uh, you know, regarded as an incredible singer, but his voice kind of navigates, you know, around. So sometimes he's got the demon growl. You look at albums like Unmasked and uh, Crazy Nights. It's there's a parallel. You keep bringing that up. He doesn't have the demon growl on any of those songs. You know what I mean? He sings very clear, you know, or the way he sings World Without Heroes. So, so um, you know, their voices have changed a lot, and that's when it. When it stands out like a sore thumb, like when they try to pass off those um, lost Alive tracks and Alive 2 tracks, they just don't work because they, they you can tell they're re-recorded. Their voices changed a lot over the years. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. But I love Justin Kill. Yes, when, when they brought out that album and, and said, okay, this is uh, Room Service from 1975, you can hear the 1995 Paul Stanley singing it. <laughs> yeah, and and once again, his voice was great. I mean, shit, his his voice was awesome in in 1995. But but it it aged. It, it, it was more mature. It, so, it sounded a lot lower register. Uh, something about his different. Actually, I think his voice was better in 1995 than it was in 75. It probably was. It probably was. Yeah. If you if you listen to a lot of those bootlegs that were from 75 and it was live, some of those weren't that great. But if you listen to bootlegs from 1995, they were all good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure, man. You know, and once right. again, I think I think they're obviously, you know, they're professionals, and they had a lot of practice, you know, through the years. And I, and I think, you know, I think they probably never had any kind of vocal training when they first got going. And then, obviously, they probably had some formal training, especially Paul. He had to have. Gene, I don't know, because Gene really, like I said, it's like Alice Cooper. You know what I mean? I love the voice, but it's never going to be put up there with some of the greats, you know, like Bruce Dickinson or something like that. It's, a di- it's just a different kind of a voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a character. It's a character voice. And Kiss are characters. Let's face it. Okay. No, right. Number three, dude. What do you got? Okay, so you said you put Paul Stanley, Paul Stanley's album in front of Aces. I would. Well, so do I. Paul Stanley. So Paul Stanley comes in to me for number three. Oh, cool. Tonight You Belong to Me is absolutely, you know, that is a, is a work of art. I love that song. I love this whole album. Love it. And um, it's all right. It actually makes it to our soul. My uh, my KLA tribute album. Yes, I was so glad that I, I played bass on that one. I was so glad to play that because that that song and wouldn't you like to know me? I love those two. Those are probably my two favorites. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, but some of the other songs like uh, Goodbye. Yeah, you never heard Paul Paul write songs like that. The way that the the guitar is in that, it, it I mean, it's just amazing. Bob Hewlett is is on this album as well. I don't know if you knew that. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, and uh, personally, to me, even though there was no no hits from this album, and 
Um, Ace got the only hit from all four albums. I think this is a stronger album. I think this sounds like a Kiss record. Yep. And I think that this would have been a really good follow-up to Love Gun. Yeah, yeah. I will, you know you, you that you make up an interesting point because I've always wondered what if we took four of Paul's, two of Gene's, three of Ace's, one of Peter's, you know, and we made the '78 album. I think you would have had a real home run right there. You know, it's all it's cool that you got four albums. Like I said, if Ace especially, you know, at that point you'd only heard you know two songs from him, Rocket Ride and uh, Shock Me. So so you didn't know really what he could do for a full album. But man, I think one album of. Uh, all of them working together with these songs because let's face it we you know Gene Gene has some great songs and, and Peter isn't bad either but they could probably you know do two or three you know Gene maybe three Peter one I'm saying and and, and you might have a complete album there so yeah I I think I like Peter's more than I like Gene's uh-huh and it's not because Peter's is any better but Gene is a demon yeah and we get this album and it's full of Light, lighthearted songs. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, that's what I, you know, I expected an album. I expected an album full of God of Thunder, I guess, and yeah. didn't get it. So, I guess that's the I point. When you wish upon a star. <laughs> I guess that's the point, right? Like, you know, when you do a solo album, this is that time where you can break away and do something different than what you're known for. You know, and I think the problem, though, like you said, with Gene, and this happens a lot. It was funny. We just did a podcast about albums that were letdowns. And Psycho Circus came up for me. I thought that was a letdown. And one of the big things that let me down was Gene's output from this album because I didn't feel like I've got the demon. Like this is the this is it, man. You are the demon again, right? And I got uh, uh, We Are One, and I got Journey of a Thousand Years. I'm not saying they're horrible songs, but they're not what I'm looking for. I'm like a classic supposedly, right, album of the original guy. So, see, Gene, he falls into these traps where he just does these bullshit songs that don't fit into who he is, and, and I, I always think it falls flat, personally. Yeah, yeah, and I think those were also um, leftovers from Carnival of Souls. Oh, big time. So so the, the, the makeup thing wasn't even in their minds yet. Yeah, yep. So he wasn't the demon yet, and, and it comes through in the songs, you can tell. Yeah, yep, for sure. Well, what I've got for um, number three... Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, Paul Stanley, Ace Frehley, Kiss. Rock and Roll Over. Is Rock and Roll Over. And I, I think this is the best album for me of the original four guys. I, I, I love it. Um, and, and one thing that I really love, you talked about Tonight You Belong to Me, where it goes like from the slow to the heavy like the soft intro, and this is how I want you is. And I think that's a cool dynamic. You know, Paul always nails that. It's got that real, you know, chilled out beginning and then, you know, whatever. He's just he's just rocking out, you know. And I love how they do that, and I want you. Ladies' Room is cool. Take me. Love them, leave them. Mr. Speed. Everybody loves Mr. Speed, man. That You know, that always is one of those forgotten deep tracks that people, you know, people just love it, but it's never really been a live song or anything like that. But I love rock and roll over. I just think, I think this is Kiss firing on all cylinders. It's not as overproduced with this big production like uh, Destroyer is, but I think it's maybe not as bloated or like with weirder stuff that misses the mark that, than Love Gun does. I, like I said, that's just my perception, but I love I love Rock and Roll Over. I actually put Rock and Roll Over in at number two. Oh, I like when we do the back-to-back. All right, well, what do you like so much about Rock and Roll Over? Um, there's some sleepers in there. Baby mm-hmm. Driver yeah. is an amazing song. Yep. Amazing song. And Ladies Room, I know they did it on Alive 2, 
And, but they kind of dropped it after that, and I think that's a really strong song. Yep. It's it's a, it's Simmons at his at his best. Yep. And going back to the Gene Simmons solo album, "See You in Your Dreams" is on there no. with uh, um, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick playing the guitar solo. Yeah. On um, "Rock and Roll Over," it's Ace Frehley on on guitar, and it's just got that Kiss feel to it. Yeah. And I really, really dig the, the, the jam that they really got into with that song. Yep. Um, Making Love is, is one of the songs that every time I pick up my guitar is probably one of the first songs that I play. <laughs> Hard Luck Woman is the last song I'll ever play. <laughs> <laughs> that, that to me is the throwaway. Yeah, yep. Is the throwaway. And that's why it didn't make it to number one. It's is Hard Luck Woman. Yep. But I think this is a really, really strong album. It comes on strong with I Want You and it ends strong with Making Love. Yeah. With yep. Take Me, Calling Dr. Love, and all the songs in between minus Hard Luck Woman, I think this is a masterpiece. You know, and, and I'm so glad you mentioned Dr. Love, and I think Dr. Love kind of gets a bad break because it's um, it's just so overplayed. You know, once again, it's probably been in the set uh, for almost every tour since it came out. But one thing I always notice about Dr. Love is and, and you as a guitar player can appreciate this is the guitar solo. I think it's just so cool. It's not overplayed. It's not underplayed. It just fits in that space perfectly, and it just makes complete sense, you know. And it just shows you like how great Ace Frehley was and is, you know. But but he really yeah. is a tasteful player, you know what I mean? I don't know if that was all his creation or somebody said, hey, hit this, that don't hear there, whatever. But I love what he does. And I, he does it in others. He does it a lot. So I think back in the 70s, he his creativity uh, and his sensibility of, of what fits was spot on. You know, now I feel like, I mean, hate to say it, but, you know, he's just got his acisms that he throws out there that, oh, that's ace. But I don't know if he ever has recaptured like what he, like when he does an album today, I don't, I don't think he has what he used to do then. He, he was in a different mindset back in the 70s. I love it. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with who you're with too, right? Yeah. And you've got these four guys and together it was magic. Yep. Just just like the Beatles was, just like the Stones, you got the right chemistry and it's magic. Yeah. That's why that's why Dynasty and Unmasked fell short for me because it wasn't the four yep. members writing together. It was two or three writing together. Yeah. And that makes that makes all the difference in the world. Um, one of the things that I like about calling Doctor Love in it, you really have to listen close, but that evil gene comes out in it. At the beginning of the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going Dr. Love. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, really quiet, but it it resonates, and you can you can you can hear it. And if there is a uh, an album from Australia called Kiss the Singles, and it's got a bunch of gold records on the front cover, and on that particular um, mix of it, you could really hear him saying that. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time you you that it's really prominent and out front. Everywhere else, it's pretty much buried in the music. Yeah. So if anybody can dig out that version and listen to that version from the singles, it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Absolutely. And I always dig the low gene voice in the chorus that pops up around the second chorus. We yeah. obviously are familiar with this. We've, we've done this song a couple times, and I feel like right now, uh, like as I told you, I have COVID again. So so I could do, my voice is all torn up. I could do the Dr. Love. You know, I could do I could do the gene cow voice, you know, Dr. Love. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, it. With, with that part missing, 
it's a different song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't sound the same. You know, if if you just had uh, the high vocals and not his low, flat vocal in that part of the song, it's, it changes the whole dynamic of the, of the song for sure. Yeah. So my number two, I'm assuming, is not on your list at all. Uh, because you, you threw the solo songs in there, which, hey, there was no rules. You, you can do whatever you want, but uh, I didn't. So so I've got a different album that, that probably won't hit your list. And this is an album, this probably for you is missing some guys, because not a couple guys aren't on this album. But I really like what they were going for. Creatures of the Night, the new album from Kiss. The masters of metal. It's creatures of the night, and I think when we get Gene Simmons fully engaged, fully in the zone, you've got a home run. And this happens a lot. A lot of people look to um, revenge uh, as a, as a as a home run for Kiss. That's because you've got Gene back into the fold, really being Gene, you know. And when he's in the zone. And Paul's in the zone. You got a winning Kiss album, and I think that's what you get with with Creatures of the Night. It, um, I think for me, this is Gene's and Eric's uh, one of their shining moments. I think Gene's voice is so demon, so gnarly, so ripped up. His bass playing. Hey, once again, I don't even I don't even know if it's him all the time, but whatever it is, it sounds cool. And Eric Carr. I don't care, man. I, I love Peter, but man, this is my favorite drum album out of any album that's out there. I The way those drums sound, they just sound like cannons. They just sound like explosions. I don't know what it is, man. Even something simple as I love it loud. You know, it's just, you know, all that reverb or whatever the hell they got on it. It just sounds so good, you know. Um, I love War Machine. It's one of my favorite Kiss songs. I love it loud. It's cool. Killer. Rock and roll hell. I feel like Paul sometimes suffers on, on heavier albums, you know, Paul, like we said, he kind of fits in better with the stuff that's on a solo album. He, like, does that power pop stuff, the catchy stuff. Um, but I think Paul holds his own on Creatures of the Night. The title track, Danger, Keep Me Coming, I Still Love You. So I think I mentioned every song because I like them all, and there's only nine. So, yeah, man, Creatures of the Night, I know it, it's, it's really tough not to have Ace on there. I don't know if Ace's style would have fit. Maybe. We'll never know. I would have liked to have heard what he could have done on Creatures. But, I, but I'm but i glad that Peter's not on it. Because like I said, I think Eric Carr really had something to prove. Um, after The Elder was not, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't, you know, like a total Kiss album. It was a little disjointed. But this this is Kiss, you know, for the 80s kind of uh, metal version of Kiss. I love it, man. I love it. You know, even though the album flopped, which it did, I think that, it has one of the best Kiss songs ever written on it, and that's I Still Love You. Yeah. Paul's live version of that, to this day, gives me chills. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. And you know you know the part that I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Rock and Roll Hell, which is um, a, a cover of a Canadian band called BTO. Yep. If you listen to the original version, you'll think, why did Gene Simmons ever cover this song? It's horrible. But they made it into their own song, and... It's it's an amazing song. It is. Um, Brian Adams wrote co-wrote some songs with them on this album. Yep. And I got I, I got to agree with you. It's a great album. It didn't make my list at all, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, it, it's it's a great one. I think I know what your number one is. <laughs> It's got to be Love Gun. It has to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, 
what is it for me that made this one my favorite? Um, I think it has a lot to do with Kiss Me the Phantom of the Park. I go with this scurvy crew steaming close behind, and I do mean steaming. Jeans clean. A pussycat. Almost. Hi, Curly. I think that's that's what did it for me. Uh, it, kiss, that came out in 1978. I was seven years old. I had this record, but I mean, I've seen them live at this point, but I, now I'm seeing them on my TV screen in my living room. Okay? You've got um, the song... I stole your love, but when Ace Frehley came out and he's walking down those lightning bolts uh, to to uh, shock me, I mean that just blew my mind. Yeah. The very first time I ever heard Ace Frehley singing, that was just absolutely mind blowing for me. The other songs that were on there, "Got Love for Sale," is totally overlooked. Yep, uh, it's one of those songs that it's never been played live. It's never been on a, any compilations whatsoever. And you don't hear anybody talking about it. And I don't know why. I think it's one of Gene's, you know, one of his his best songs out of that era. I put it over Christine 16 because I think, well, it's got a kind of a weird message. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Um, Plaster Caster and Almost Human. I, I love those songs when I was a kid, and they still do it for me. Nice. Then she kissed me. I, I agree with you 100. percent That song sucks. It shouldn't have been shouldn't have been covered. Uh, but they needed to make a temp song for the album, right? Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. Now Peter, Chris, and Stan Penridge writing together. They always did some soft music. You've heard Chelsea. You've heard um, the the solo album. Yep. It's more like uh, big band music for Hooligan to to fit on a rock and roll album. They must have went back into the studio and reshaped it to make it into a rock and roll song, and I think they did an amazing job. Yep. Like I think we did a cover of that song for YouTube, did we not? We did. We did. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, said, yeah. As I, we, yeah. We go through these. There's a lot of ones. Like I think of Doctor Love, and I think of uh, Hooligan, and um, and then like I said, all the different ones that end up on the KLA uh, tribute album. So yeah, yeah. We, we've had some hands-on experience with some of these songs. <laughs> Oh, that, definitely, definitely. And one of the songs that gets a lot of hatred, and I don't know why, is Tomorrow and Tonight. I, the, the guitar work in that and, and the harmonies in that, I, I just think that to me is another masterpiece. Hmm. I think that uh, Paul Stanley was in true form for that album, and I, and I think Ace Frehley was too. Yeah. So my top, my top three songs on this album is Got Love for Sale, Shock Me, and Tomorrow and Tonight. I mean, I love it, those songs more than any of the other songs that are on there. I know that Love Gun comes really high on your list, <laughs> but personally to me, I think Got Love for Sale and Tomorrow and Tonight comes a little higher than that. Yeah. Me. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Well, all right, so do you know what my number one is? You must. <laughs> Well, let me let me just go back and take a look. I'm trying to remember all the ones that you said. Um, so I'll give you a hint. Let's see if my voice can do a do 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 do. I can still do it. Number one, eh? I still got it. Yeah, dude. 
I don't know what it is. I, I don't. I, I I think for me, I can be I, like okay. So I get where you're coming from with a lot of stuff because you were there, right? I didn't get into Kiss till like '86. Okay, so so for me, it all it could be taken any way. I wasn't there. I didn't see Phantom of the Park. I was only two. You know, I missed it. You know what I mean? So this stuff, it, it, it could go either way. You know, I, basically when I went back, I bought all the albums, uh, probably between. You know, from 86 to 88, I probably was just buying them all. And then at that point, I had all of them. So Dynasty, I, I think for me, I really dig the Dynasty era. I dig the costumes. I dig the whole thing. I love the costumes. Yeah. I love the costumes. I love I love the, the tour, the live stage. I, I, obviously, it kind of bleeds into the unmasked stuff, too. I love all that. But um, I think this one, the, here's where I feel like there's differences. So for Dynasty versus Unmasked, I think the production's way better on Dynasty. I don't know what it is, but it feels more like a rock album. You know, I know there's really only maybe one or two disco-y type songs. I think you've got I Was Made For Loving You, which, you know, hey, it served its purpose. It was a big hit. That's what they wanted to do. And, you know, and I think that was yeah. coming from their label and, and even in Paul's mind, you know, let's mix the two biggest things, Kiss and Disco. They did it, you know. But, you know, they, they, they kind of hurt their reputation in the process. And then Dirty Living, my wife loves that one. She loves Dirty Living. Um, and I don't even mind it. I, I think it's okay, but it's it's not very Kiss-like. But um, other than that, right. and you named, to some, you named some of these. Now, well, here's one thing, man. I You don't like Sure Know Something. I love Sure Know Something, and I love it even more. On unplugged, I think it's just a cool. I love the chorus. Chorus has such a hook, you know. I love that hook of the chorus, and I love the bass. There's a bass player. I love. I you talk about like when you strap on the guitar, you play making love. I, I like to jam on uh, sure know something because it's just a cool bass line. Uh, I'm sure Gene doesn't play it on the album. I'm sure Paul does. But yeah. the so- songs that I really dig, uh, once again, is going to be the deeper tracks. I love Charisma. Charisma is such a cool Gene song. You know, we talk about Demon Gene, but we talk about those. The sexual innuendo gene too. He, he, that, there's a lot of that, and I think he nails it uh, on charisma. And I love X-ray eyes too. I think the cool thing about X-ray eyes is it also has that kind of almost like an eerie riff, almost the same kind of thing that Naked City does. You know, like uh, X-ray. Yeah. You know, I like that. And Magic Touch is cool. All the A stuff is decent. Hard Times, Save Your Love. Once again, not a huge fan of Two Thousand Man, but I do like. When they play it on the the Dynasty show, you know, like um, from Largo, I, it yeah, does work. Yeah. So um, I don't know, and I think I, what I've noticed too, Johnny, is that like I know you weren't huge into this album, but I think like they're becoming like more sophisticated songwriters. If you know what I'm trying to say, like like Love Gun's really cool and, and it's more raw, but I feel like they're really trying hard to write like pop rock you know what i mean and I, I like it you know what i mean and i feel like once they get to this point this is kind of the blueprint that they follow all throughout the 80s for for the most part you know when if you look at like um so albums like cra- um crazy nights and and hot in the shade and stuff i feel like a lot of that songwriting harkens back to stuff they started doing on dynasty so i love it uh, i don't think it's a complete disco sellout you know like some people do i think it's a couple tracks but once you get past those, and I actually don't even, I actually like I Was Made For Love. Yeah, I don't even care. Especially the way they do it on Live 3, and we get back to those live renditions, you know. That's what's cool. These songs have had taken on a life of their own, whether it be on Unplugged, a Live 3 with real heavy renditions, the bootlegs like yep. Sydney and uh, Rio, Brazil, you know. If you could go back and listen to all these different ones, the Alive 1, Alive 2, and find just cool versions. Uh, and, and these songs, like, take on new life. So, 
I don't know, man. I look at Dynasty. I think as the complete package. I like I like the songs. I like the production. I think, I think Save Your Love is is I love that album. I love that song. I think that one is one that is overlooked, and yeah. I might think that that is his best solo that he ever did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I I put that solo above Shock Me, believe it or not. Yeah. That is a cool one. And you know what I like, too? And it's really... it's This one almost reminds me of the way Dr. Love is. It's really subtle. The guitar solo in um, Charisma. I think there's a lot of backward stuff in it. And it's just really subtle. But it's almost kind of eerie sounding. And it fits the song. So, like I said, once again... I thought Ace was re- getting real creative, uh, you know, as you got to the mid-70s to the later 70s. He was just in the zone. I, I-, I love uh, most of the solos that he does in this era, and it always seemed to fit. It was very tasteful. It wasn't like shredding. You know, that's the kind of bullshit that came after the fact with somebody like like Mark St. John. I can't listen to that shit. I hate it. <laughs> but, but what Ace does, that's that's the real stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the hard times, I mean, it had some silly stuff in it, like the whistles and the... Yeah. You know, that that could have been... It could have been a better song if they got rid of all that stuff, and that was the stuff that was gearing the kids. Yeah. Right? He yeah. was talking about how hard the times were, and then, then he put the silly stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they do the same thing on Unmasked. There's some weird sounds and keys, and even something like... Um, like if we go back to like what makes the world go round, that's got an awesome Paul Stanley like typical type of a verse, and then it's got to go to that like disco beat in the chorus, and I feel like it kind of ruins yeah. the song to an extent. I like that song, but I like man, I would love to have heard the chorus if it just was a straight up rock beat versus that that disco beat, you know. So you I, know they just they were they were dabbling, man. They they were they were um, pretty much. Uh, they took the taste of uh, fame and success, and they wanted more, and they were going to try to get it. It didn't work out for them, but, you know, in retrospect, you've got some cool music uh, to, to look back on for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I yeah. Appreciate, you, appreciate you having me on here, man. we got to do this again with the, uh, the non-makeup era, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I'm so glad we got to talk about these. I've been wanting to talk about these for a long time. I mean, geez, I've been doing the podcast for about three years, and I've just been waiting for the right time to do this. And I thought, you know, to, to talk about the KLA project was a perfect, uh, you know, stimulus to get something like this going. And then to, to dive into these albums, like I said, you, you're a big fan for a long time. You've, you've played a lot of these songs. You know them inside and out. So this this came out real good, man. Appreciate your time. Hey, no worries. I actually even have uh, Kiss tattoos. I met them a few a few times and had them autograph all their the original four signatures are in my arm, and a huge uh, portrait of Paul Stanley's in my arm too. So, and you got a lot of killer guitars. You got a lot of the the, the original guitars of Ace and and Bruce and stuff like that. They're models. Yeah, I do, and I have three guitars that I bought straight from Bruce Kulick too. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. All right, brother. Well, like I said, I'm going to have some free time this week. I figured I might as well get some podcasts in. I know we talked about it before, so I'll be I'll be sitting home for the next five days. So, and, and I don't really feel all that sick. I don't feel that sick. So, like I said, I had it I had it in January, and I was pretty sick then. But this time is it's pretty mild. So, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll screw around for this week and, and get some get some podcasting in. Well, you get better soon, my friend. All right, dude. I appreciate it. Have a good night. Thanks, you as well. Take care. Talk to you.
Well, that was great. Talk and kiss with Johnny. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Rock on!